it's a movie that takes place during World War II where a group of commandos is tasked with blowing up a German bridge. Oh, okay. But on their way, they find out that their allies are supposed to be on the ground are not who they seem. Oh. And things kind of go haywire and they got to improvise, adapt, and overcome. Kay, have you seen Force <laughs> 10 from Navarone? I have not, and I am intrigued. I like Harrison Ford. I, as I said, avoid war movies generally. They're just not my thing. But, um, yeah, we shall we shall see. Force 10 from Navarone. Why out? A strike force of different, daring, dangerous men who must work together or die. Jump! Go! Robert Shaw. We are going to help the partisans blow up a bridge, and then if we're very lucky, we can all go home. Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. No bridge in the world that can't be blown. That's what Force 10 was here to prove. Carl Weathers. <laughs> Franco Nero. Edward Fox as Miller. A man devoted to dynamite. Barbara Bach as a spy anyone could love. And Richard Jaws Keel from the director of Goldfinger, Live and Let Die, in the tradition of the Dirty Dozen. A crack team of tempers and temperament. Force 10 from Navarone. Hello, welcome back to K Have You Seen? My name is Kyle. I'm Kari. And today we've got an interesting choice because this is a movie that, um, you know, we... If you do say so yourself. If I do say so myself. Interesting in the sense that, um, you know, we've covered at least one of your childhood favorites, right? Uh With The Road to El Dorado. Um, I was thinking about this, that this movie that we're about to talk about today is in a weird way kind of the closest analog that I can think of that I would have to The Road to El Dorado. In a weird what? way, Force 10 from Navarone is kind of like my Road to El Dorado. Really? So, yes. okay, number one, you watch this as a child. You seem, it seems like the childhood classic thing is in question. Like, did you, did you not have a childhood favorite or this was the childhood favorite? This was not like the childhood favorite, but I can, I think about this movie in the same way that you told us that you think about Road to El Dorado as, you know, something that you you enjoyed immensely as a young person. You watched it a lot when you were younger, and you still hold it in very high regard, uh, um, and you can just pick it up, and instantly it's like... And it seemed like, when you were talking about Road to El Dorado, a lot of the joy of watching it today, in addition to just enjoying it at face value, yep. is kind of reliving the experience of watching it as a child. Would that be fair uh, to say? Okay, yes. I think I'm following you. So when did you first watch this movie? Well, before we get into that, <laughs> before we get too much into my I'm ready to unpack it, this. Of this course. is set up set us up for something yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Force 10 from Navarone. Um, before we really get into too much background, Kari, could you do us a favor? And having watched this movie for the first time, mm-hmm. could you please give us a brief rundown of the basic plot? Yes, I will keep it very brief because there is a lot of plot here. This movie I, is very plot heavy. There's, yes. there's a lot of lot of stuff going on. Uh, basically, though, two Brits are on a mission to kill a bad guy from I assume the last movie, mm-hmm. Guns of Navarone, who has taken on an alias and joined the Yugoslav Partisans, allegedly. Yes. yes. And there's many twists and turns. They they join up with uh, Harrison Ford's band, the Force Ten, uh, to assist them on a mission while Harrison Ford's team is also trying to go on a mystery mission that we don't really know until I guess the end. Um, I'm still not totally sure I know what it was, <laughs> but yeah. And they, they join up with um, Apollo Creed and gain some people, lose some people along the way, end up blowing up a bridge. It's a whole thing. Yes. Uh, that's, that's about the best way you could summarize it in 30 seconds or <laughs> it was less. the best way. Um, it, yeah, it's um, it's basically Indiana Jones, Quint from Jaws, and Apollo Creed go on a Nazi killing mission in Yugoslavia. <laughs> yeah, I would add a little Lord of the Rings in there, honestly. We Ooh, can talk about that later. Interesting. But... Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's more or less the, the long and short of it. Um, basically, it is, uh, it is as you mentioned, it's a sequel to The Guns of Navarone, which is a movie that came out in 1961, uh, which starred Gregory Peck mm-hmm. um, in, I believe, the um, Robert Shaw role. 
So yeah, it's a it's a World War II commando movie from 1978. Uh, Harrison Ford is hot off of Star Wars. Carl Weathers is hot off of two Rocky movies. I think mm-hmm. he had finished shooting Rocky two by the time this movie came out. I'm not positive. But, uh, and then, uh, this is a couple of years after Jaws, but yes, Robert Shaw, this is actually his last movie before he oh. passed away, um, I think before the movie even came out, so. Oh, yes, I saw that too. And uh, you said you thought it was in the Gregory Peck role. It must have been, because he looks just like Gregory Peck. They look very similar, yeah. I, like, I was like, ooh, they did, mm-hmm. I don't know why they would, I guess, you know, con- continuity, you want sure. to look kind of similar, but they, he was a spitting image. Uh, definitely, thought. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so... What was your first reaction? Now, I, I go into this knowing full well that you do not watch a lot of war movies, mm-hmm. for one thing, so that I, I'm prepared for anything you have to throw at me here. Right. I'm familiar with uh, Guns of Navarone as a title. Mm-hmm. I think it's another movie that maybe went through my brother's war movie phase, so I think we have the DVD in our house. But, um, yeah, I don't watch a lot of war movies, um, even action movies. There's, mm-hmm. It's a little... We've talked about this. I don't always watch them. I do tend to enjoy them, but... Um, my first reaction, there was a lot going on. I kind of had a Wikipedia this afterwards to make sure there was nothing major. Even that, reading the Wikipedia synopsis, I was like, oh boy, I'm going to start skimming because it yeah. is... The Wikipedia blast. summary is very Ugh. long. <laughs> I don't know. I would just rewatch the movie if I wanted to go through all this. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's a lot going on. It was a little hard to follow at points, uh, but overall enjoyable i thought there were the the moments where you really got at kind of the the brotherhood and the guys interacting with each other especially because it's two brits one who's like an explosives expert obviously there's always one and the um uh, robert shaw character who was kind of he was just a a special agent he didn't he was like the team leader for the previous mission yeah and then harrison ford obviously who this is harrison ford as like the man this isn't this isn't a Han Solo Harrison Ford. This is like this straight is, laced. Listen to my orders, Harrison Ford. That this was is interesting. In the middle of prime Harrison Ford. Yeah. Prime. But he was not. This was not Maverick. This I feel like Harrison Ford. We know him as a Maverick. This was not his character. He was like, he was army in charge, whatever. But. So when I rewatched this movie, I watched it with Mike, my roommate, who had mm-hmm. also seen it many years ago, and we were talking about this, where uh, Harrison Ford is the type of person where if you didn't know he was a movie star, mm-hmm. and you ran into him on the street, and talked to him for five minutes, you would assume that he had put in 20 years in the army. Like, he just, oh, he, yeah. he carries it so well, and he fits into this role like a glove. You're right, it's a little different than what he normally does. Mm-hmm. I feel like he didn't really revisit this character until Air Force One. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he, he pulls it off. It's great. We did miss, I was watching it with a friend who's a big Harrison Ford fan. and I like your friend she, already. Yeah. And she was pretty bummed that this was not, uh, this was not Maverick Harrison Ford. That's the Harrison not, Ford Not of her scruffy heart. looking nerd but, herder yeah. Harrison Ford. <laughs> exactly. But, um, and then Carl Weathers, like, just the moments when all of them would interact and in different combinations, that was worth the whole movie to me. But um, it was, there was a lot going on. It was a little hard to follow. The tone, especially in the beginning, I... Not having a lot of context and a background in war movies, I found it a little hard to pin down if they were kind of, maybe I'm just coming off of our mockumentary run, and so I'm having trouble seeing anything seriously and (laughs) non-ironically, but I wasn't sure if they were kind of playing into the, like, because it starts with that voiceover, that very, like, authoritative, I think, kind of British? Yeah, because we thought it might be Anthony Hopkins, but it wasn't, but... In the heart of the Aegean Sea, yes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that and the archival footage and like all this and, you know, setting up this whole like history of this battle or whatever. So I was I wasn't sure if that we were supposed to take that seriously or if this was supposed to be kind of a, a play off of that. But so, yeah. And, and that never really got resolved for me. Gotcha. Um, so we'll definitely get into that. Though. Okay. Um, all because right. I have thoughts on that as well. After watching this movie for the first time in like 15 years. Um but yeah, any any other yeah, other things? Two things that surprised me, and these are my last points before we move on. But, Take your time. Uh, the racial racial issues. I thought that was really interesting how they they really did address it. Carl Weathers. We is, will talk about this. We will definitely launch into this. But Carl Weathers is the only black guy, obviously, in in the team in the movie, whatever, and and it's acknowledged and they talk about it. And there's some like there's casual racism, but it's not. I don't think the movie handles it casually. Right. And we can talk about that. So, yeah, those were kind of my main high-level things that, that piqued my interest. Gotcha. Noticed them. 
So, uh, yeah, my background of this movie is, um, like I said, in a way, kind of like my road to El Dorado, just in the sense that it's a movie that I have very fond memories of watching when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about this before on the podcast where I wasn't really allowed to watch a lot of, like, violent or racy stuff, like, Mm -hmm. when I was even a young teenager. But this movie used to come on AMC all the time, back when AMC actually showed. Because AMC, do you know what that stands for? Like American Movie Channel? American Movie Classics Classics. is what it is. So it was basically like a version of Turner Classic Movies that was on basic cable for a lot of years. And then they started making like TV shows. Mad Men and Walking Dead. Which, fine. fine. Um, I guess I'm glad we have those shows. But anyway, this movie used to come on AMC all the time. And so I used to watch it and I actually still have the... Um, the cassette tape that I recorded it on from the VCR wow. when it came on, I assume in like 2000 or 2001. Is that how you watched it this time? It is not because uh. I wanted to see, because I knew that was the edited for TV version. So I was oh, like, I wonder yeah. what they cut out. Turns out all they really cut out was Barbara Box boobs. That was like I was going to say, there's some boobs. Yeah. That was the only part though. Everything else what was... What about, we'll get into this later too, but there's a de- decapitation towards the end. Yeah, but that was so obviously a mannequin that I think they just left that in. (laughs) I want to talk all about this later. Um, But anyhow, yeah, I loved it as a kid. It really fed into, like, the World War II commando kind of obsession that I had when I was, like I said, a young teenager, Mm -hmm. um, which was also fed into by playing video games like Medal of Honor and Return to Castle Wolfenstein and things like that. Sure. Um, Watching it now, a lot of it was just kind of remembering, but still watching it, I, I saw it again as, like, this is a movie with a lot of very big and obvious flashing light flaws. Oh, okay. But in a way, but in, in ways that don't really negatively impact the way that I watch, I still enjoyed it mm-hmm. at least as much as I did before. And even to the point where watching the, we'll talk about this too, watching the opening credits, I was, full disclosure, this was right after we recorded last week's episode. Mm. I was still a little buzzed and I was <laughs> like, I'm excited to watch this. And so what I just watched, I watched it right then and there. And when the credits came on, I was like, getting excited because of like oh man i forgot he's in this movie i forgot he's in this movie oh, oh man that's awesome um but anyway yeah so uh unfortunately when this movie came out reviews were not super kind uh. um it got middling fair to middling reviews more than anything else um a lot of people called it out even in 1979 for being loaded with cliches which it sure is but i kind of feel like that's the Point in a weird way. We'll, we'll... That's, well, that's kind of my impression of a mm-hmm. war movie. And maybe, you know, I, I thought there were some really interesting cliche breaking okay. things that go on. And we could talk about that. There's right. one big one. But um, yeah, that is, I maybe just not being super familiar. Hey, possibly. The cliches are just in my mind as like, oh, that's what that is. So, yeah. you know, it's funny that you say that because it's like, you know, this is. I hope this doesn't turn into, like, a tangent or anything like that, but you know if you ever watch, like, the old Looney Tunes cartoons, mm-hmm. there's things that they're obviously riffing on cliches that were well-known when the cartoon was made in, like, 1952, right. but those cliches don't really exist anymore. But <laughs> you're, like, you're like, what? so, like, now, as a youngster in, like, the 90s, early 2000s or whatever, you see that, and, like, your knowledge of those cliches only comes from yeah. where they play. So, like, if you're not origin- if you're not familiar with where they came from, you only see the parody version. Mm-hmm. So, in this sense, it's not as much a parody, I don't think. I mean, uh-huh. we, we can talk about that, but... In you not being as familiar with like war movies and like war movie cliches and things like that, it's interesting that you would say that it, you know, that this would be like kind of in some ways probably your first exposure to some of these things. Sure. Now, on that subject, uh, Roger Ebert was eh, lukewarm on this movie like most people mm-hmm. were, but he was totally on the nose in part of his review. And I'm going to read this truncated version of what he says. He's talking about like the scene in the movie where they blow up the dam. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. He says, quote, First, we get a long shot of the objective, whether it's giant guns or giant dams or giant impenetrable fortresses. He's talking about just sure. cliches in war movies. Yep, then, seen from far away, Nazi soldiers strut back and forth on the parapets. Yep. Our heroes, reclining behind rocks and trees, examine the scene with binoculars. He goes on. At this point, it is obligatory, I believe, for one of the heroes to express the opinion that the enemy objective is so well guarded that any raid on it would be folly. The exact words are usually, quote, it would bloody well be suicide, end quote. But then the explosives expert, usually a very unmilitary type, drafted directly into the commandos after a civilian career as an unkempt genius, uh, um, allows as how an explosives package could do a lot of damage if it were placed in just the right place. But that's not how it happens in this movie. Not quite. But well, it's the, like reversed. 
Uh, well, I mean, you tell me. Well, okay. Well, no, go on. Explain yourself. So, diving right into the end of this yes. movie, at the beginning of this podcast. Of course. Um, the So, they need to blow up this bridge. Right. And the explosive expert says, no, you cannot blow up that right. bridge. Looking at what it and what I have now, and we were just talking about work, this was a very true-to-life scene for me. Like, someone comes to you and says, like, well, this is what I want, and this is what you have, so do it. And yes. you're like... I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources. The thing you're seeing took six months to make and yes. a team of 12 people and I have one person and you want it in two weeks. That was, yes. it was real life. But, <laughs> um... Millie, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's our, he speaks for all of us. You know, he was really the, he's the, the he's proxy the, here. He is the working schlub stand-in <laughs> in this movie. You know, even explosive experts have to educate the client. Mm-hmm. But... So he he's the one who says, like, I cannot blow up that bridge with what I have available to me. And they're like, well, no, the construction experts looked at it and they said mm-hmm. it can totally come down. And he's like, well, the problem with that is they are experts in building things. I'm experts in taking things exactly. down. I am telling you, I cannot do it. And one of the other ones, said, uh, I guess it's uh, Robert Shaw's character says, like, well, there is a dam up the way right and he's like well if we have the natural resources working for us then blah, blah, yes. blah. like i thought that was a really interesting departure from the like oh we could just blow it up and you're like all right great we'll blow it up and even that continues mm-hmm. through that whole sequence like yes. the way they blow it up i thought that was all you know again having minimal experience sure. with these tropes the way i would expect a movie like this to end would be they have a huge explosion right. and it takes down the bridge and they're victorious or whatever but that's not how it happens. Not it's a very all. small explosion, yes. and then the then the bridge, of course, comes down in yes. a huge like set piece scene. But whatever, you have even to that kind of happens torturously slow by action movie standards. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I think that what Ebert was talking about here, not to disagree with you, but no, he, no. I think what he was talking about more was like the ending portion of the movie where they are planning to blow up the sure. dam itself. But you're right; it does kind of subvert that, where it's like he takes one look at that bridge, he's like. Mm-mm, no way. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't mean to become a pol- an apologist for this movie, like, right off the bat, <laughs> but... I I'm on board for it. <laughs> I didn't see myself coming here, but, you know, here we this are. This is ass-backward that you're apologizing for it, and I'm saying that it's got riddled with problems. Happiness all over again. Like, I had no idea I was going to come into this role when we started this, but um, the... I, I don't know. The issue with that whole scene of, like... Oh, there's there's our objective. It's guarded by Nazis. We're hiding out on the rocks, mm-hmm. just like a ragtag bunch looking through our binoculars. To me, that's kind of like, why do you see this movie if you don't want to see that? Like, oh, it's one hundred percent agree. And it's that's... like the Marvel movies where people have the issue with like, oh, there's going to be this huge action piece at the end, and I get it, and that's not why I go to see those movies. But I'm not going to have any qualms with it because it's right. the price of admission. Yeah. Like, I'm going to watch that scene at the end because that's what this movie has been setting up to. I think that one of the reasons why I gravitated toward this movie so much when I was younger and still love it today is because it is almost like the perfect example of all of these cliches mm-hmm. in a, okay. and executed in a way that it's still like, it's cohesive. It is convoluted, but it makes sense. Like the plot proceeds in a somewhat logical manner, <laughs> even if there are major logic problems within within the plot but at any rate um but yeah i I think that honestly there's that but then also i feel like the even bigger than that the real joy in watching this movie whether you're a fan of this genre or not is the cast Mm -hmm. like the cat like i don't know if they could have possibly known in 1978-79 that this cast in particular would be kind of like a weird perfect conglomeration of cult movie stars and superstars mm-hmm. like obviously you know you've got Harrison Ford right. um, who I whose real name is in the movie Lieutenant Colonel Barnsby but um, they've all got weird military names yeah. that just like don't stick in your head at all Lieutenant Colonel Blade Runner um, he's <laughs> he, he's he peppers this movie with that finger of doom you know he wags his finger in everybody's uh. face you know as he's barking orders which is it it's different than his normal persona but it's like it fits like uh. Harrison Ford barking orders just Fits, it There's seems one like. moment of him head acting, like instead of using the finger, he's like using his head to direct them, <laughs> and it was it was gold. Like that yeah. that head wagging deserved an Oscar. <laughs> um, There's also that one scene where he's in the cockpit of the bomber uh, or of the aircraft, mm-hmm. and I was like, I didn't, I never noticed this when I was a kid, but like you know, it, in Star Wars mm-hmm. where he's in the Millennium Falcon and he yells, "We got company," and they have that like dog fight with like the 
the TIE Fighters. Mm -hmm. This was like, not, definitely not a shot for shot because it was not executed nearly as well as in Star Wars, but I was like, oh my god, this is the same scene. (laughs) Harrison Ford in the cockpit yelling, we've got company, and in come like fighters. It just went in a different direction. I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, and the family tree connecting this movie to other movies. One person we have to bring up who's not in the cast, Guy Hamilton, the director, directed four James Bond movies before this. Um, those four being Goldfinger, Diamonds of Forever, Live and Let Die, and The Man with the Golden Gun. Mm. And knowing that now, you can kind of see, like, traces of, like, the James Bond style in Mm -hmm. this film. Um, you know, colorful villains and, and, you know, secret missions and big set pieces blowing up and things like that. So I thought that was kind of cool. But also, um, did you recognize, uh, I don't know, have you ever seen The Spy Who Loved Me or... Moonraker James nope, Bond movies. Okay, nope. I have a huge James Bond blind spot as well. I don't blame you because those movies are not particularly <laughs> good. However, Richard Keel, the guy who played uh, Drazik, mm. uh, the gigantic partisan, the uh-huh. really really tall yes. guy, also in Happy Gilmore. Yeah, he was in Happy <laughs> Gilmore, um, which was I was going to bring that up too. Um, he played Jaws in two James Bond movies. Oh. Um, this character named Jaws, and then Barbara Bach was also in one of those movies, The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh. So they had been in a movie together in 1977, so like a year before this movie shot. Oh, interesting. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting, too. Um, also, Barbara Brock, microscopic next to him in that one scene, yeah. in those two couple of scenes that they shared together. Um, fun fact, she is also Ringo Starr's wife in real life. What? Yeah. Right now? Yes. Wow. Since like 1983, I wow. think. Wow, yeah. she's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, let's see. Also, the Spielberg is obviously Harrison Ford, Robert Shaw, who was in Jaws, um, oh. And also, two of the Germans, yeah, Major Schroeder, yeah, Major uh-huh. Schroeder, he played the, like, head Nazi in uh, Last Crusade. Uh-huh. Did you recognize him by any chance? No. Okay. And then the... Oh, he was the, he was the head partisan guy? No, he, no. he was, well, he was in the, so the partisans are good guys. Right. And they disguise themselves as partisans. No, no, the, the, the Nazi officer, Major Schroeder... Um, who they were trying to convince about the penicillin when they first oh, were captured. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they... Oof, dang. To be typecast as a Nazi over and over again, that's gotta be... I mean, ten years apart. I mean, apart, you're getting work, so... Every... This is probably something any German actor can tell you. They've all played Nazis sure. at least once. Oh, he was, like, real German. I believe so, yes. Okay. Um, and then, uh, the... When they're raiding the supply dump for landmines, the uh-huh. German that yells at Miller when he's stealing the, the cart, the uh-huh. hand cart... And Miller flips him off. That that German soldier was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He wow. played also Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Nazi number four in Raiders. But he got but he got lines. And... He got lines in that yeah. one. He played uh, Colonel Dietrich, I think, is his character's name. Ah. Anyway, and then obviously you've got um, you know you've got these other guys who are famous like Carl Weathers. Like I said, between Rockies, the guy is also kind of entering his prime period mm. of being in like. Uh, Obviously, in a major character in the Rocky franchise, but also action movies in the '80s and stuff. I loved that they that he threw a punch at one point, mm-hmm. and the line was, "Where'd you learn to punch like that?" And I was like, huh, "To ask Apollo where he learned yeah, to punch right, like yeah. that." But Harvard University, great. man. Yeah. Don't um, call him man. He's sir. Right. So um, yeah, Carl Weathers plays Weaver, and then also I didn't think about this until right now. Carl Weathers and Richard Keel both in Happy Gilmore too, right? Oh yeah, no. So, so there's a lot of like. Oh, yeah, we were in that movie in Yugoslavia together, yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, the family tree for this movie is crazy. And then also Franco Nero, who played uh, Lescovar, the the oh. German mole who uh-huh. uh, Robert Shaw was sent to kill. The guy with the glorious mustache. He was very lovely. Yeah. He's a very pretty man. Yeah. There he, was, he, yeah. He's also very Italian and did not try at all to hide his accent. <laughs> Oh, was that what that was? So he's an Italian actor playing a German who is pretending to be Yugoslavian. <laughs> They're um, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that guy's saying. Exactly. But yeah, so, like that dude was just like on fire around this time. And he was in a bunch of Italian westerns, action movies, and B-movies, which I will be glad to point you in the right direction <laughs> if you need more Franco Nero in your life. Absolutely. Um but yeah, so that's great. And then yeah, going back, yeah, Carl Weathers, like I said, you know, he's in, he gets some great lines in too. Oh yeah, like you didn't give a mother hunch about me. I love that one. Um, oh, that 
that scene was a little cliche when he's like, you were going to leave me behind. He's like, yes, we were. Yeah, we were in Italy before you jumped on our fucking airplane. But then he was like, yeah, and I don't know. And the whole like, that was the first straight up thing you yeah. said to me. I was yes. like, ugh. That yeah. was a little it too. It gets like, a little much. But, right. but then also like, dude is like cool as ice in this movie. When Oof. when Richard Keel puts that knife on his face, he doesn't even break a sweat. Oh God. That um, was like, oh man. Yeah, even shooting that must have been just like, Oh, it's yeah, crazy. That, was, that looked like it was going to draw blood. Yeah. I loved his, uh, you cute little son of a bitch, when, he, <laughs> yeah, when they blew up the dam. That was so cute. Speaking of blood, um, one thing that I just want to bring up right at the beginning here is just Go the on. idea that, like, you know, you had told me last week, like, you were apprehensive about war movies because you don't want there to be a lot of gore. How much yes. gore was in this movie? I I have in my notes that they must have let the like special effects ma- makeup artist just like go ham in the last quarter of the movie. Up until the last quarter, there's nothing. There's like they're fine, I whatever, and then there's just a decapitation out of nowhere. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. I think both me and and my friend Heather that were watching it were like what like what <laughs> like screamed audible reaction. And then from that point on, there's like people get shot, and like now uh, Carl Weathers is like bleeding out from his arm, and or I guess he gets stabbed, yeah, but um or slash, but th- it was like there was nothing until the last like twenty five minutes, and then yes. suddenly like it wasn't a bloodbath, but that decapitation like really really so, set it over. So um two things one. Here's a thought. Definitely next time you watch one of these movies with a friend that's never seen it before, videotape them giving like a one minute reaction, 30 second reaction to it oh, after it's over with. And we'll, we can maybe drop that into the show. And two, I wrote in my notes that this movie looks as though they forgot all their fake blood when they went to Yugoslavia and yes. they, it didn't show up until they were shooting the last few minutes of the movie. That could totally be possible because it get, is a stark difference. People get shot and stabbed constantly in the first hour and 45 minutes and nothing you see literally they don't even tear their uniform yeah and then at the end it's like oh man carl weathers got his arm cut up and he is bleeding a lot there is yeah. blood everywhere. he's passing out like yeah we lose like what two-thirds of the cast in the first like mm-hmm. 30 oh, minutes of all the of movie. force 10 except for two guys which that yeah. was kind of funny because it was like a classic case of like ah don't worry too much about that like we don't meet anybody i just remember i at the beginning i was kind of like oh, this is interesting for an ensemble piece because we're really not getting that, like, intro scene. Like, right. We don't learn who everyone is. We're getting kind of one-by-one introductions introductions yeah. of um, the two British guys. They kind of have their own little moment. Harrison Ford comes in. It's all, like, pretty slow-paced and not, you know, I feel like uh, there's a version of this that happens in a lot of movies, especially currently that or maybe 10-ish years ago that's like, Bam! Like freeze yeah. frame, and we get a graphic that's like explosives expert Carl Weathers, yeah. like whatever. And that's very much not how they do this. It's it, you know you get your kind of very slow introductions, blink mm-hmm. and you'll miss it. But you really don't meet anyone no. that is going to die. It's, like, a, it's as though there's it's... just there's two Brits, Harrison Ford, Carl Weathers, and then. 10 random dudes that yes. are just about to die. Yeah, the movie is acknowledging, don't worry about these guys, they'll be dead in five minutes. Yeah, don't care too much, we don't need to learn their names, then the plane goes down, and we've got our, like, five. Yeah, exactly. Even that, even there is another guy, that Harrison Ford's, like, second in command, I don't remember anything about no, him. No, Doug. Kind of just I think his name's Doug, if I, Maybe if I Doug, R.I.P. Right. He dies, like, pretty late in the movie, but... Yeah, he survives a lot learn. longer than he was supposed to, yeah. almost, yeah. We didn't learn anything about him. We don't... The other four are, like, these colorful characters, yeah. and he's just kind of there to be like, yeah, guys, keep walking. Like, mm-hmm. Harrison Ford said so. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and and also, to your to your point, you know, as far as the plot is concerned, it is really just one damn thing after another. It's hard. I, this time, Good. because I was playing, paying close attention and, like, taking notes, I was kind of able to better track, like, oh, this happened, so this happened, uh, so this had to happen. Uh-huh. But it was all more or less, I mean, you could drag and drop a lot of stock scenes in there. Sure. Um, as we've talked about. But, um, yeah, low-budget movie, so a lot of, like, like logic leaps in, in a few places, like... First of all, okay, I wrote Chekhov's Dam in my notes because it's like 
they're being marked like the partisans the actual partisans are marching Harrison Ford and Robert Shaw and all them to their or just those two to their camp at one point and they're on like a big cliff and you're overlooking this beautiful valley with like a dam down there and uh-huh. Harrison Ford's like if that's the dam I think it is I know exactly where they are the, I know exactly where we are cut you know immediately the partisans are like alright here put these sacks over your head now we've been marching for, <laughs> we've been marching for five miles put these over your head right now um, so there was that. I thought that was funny. Um, We've given you one landmark, and now <laughs> you show the dam. Never... You acknowledge the dam. The dam has to explode. I mean, like I said, Chekhov's yep. dam. Chekhov's dam. Um, they also they very quickly believe that Lescavar is not actually Lescavar. Like Robert Shaw recognizes Franco Nero immediately, yeah. and then like the the partisan major is like, "That's not him," and they're like, "Oh, okay, I got you." But then at the end, they're like. We've known the whole time. And right. I was like, you put a lot of trust in him for yeah. knowing that he was like a yeah. Nazi defector. Or also, yeah. It, also, the fact that like he, Lescavar, volunteers to help them like steal the explosives. Why? I don't understand that part. I, that didn't really track. Um, and then also, before they rescued Miller and Weaver from the Germans. Why were they not, why were they not killed at that point? Like, that didn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and Maritza, like, so Maritza went back and was like, I don't know, they overpowered me and Uh killed everyone else, but not me. There's no reason to keep them alive at that point. Why would they keep them alive? Why would he believe her story and... Because, to borrow a phrase from one of our our good friends' uh, uh, podcast, they've been fucking, so, like, that's why. Oh, there's other women in Yugoslavia, like, don't, I don't... That seems. Like, Did I was you like, see the other women in that village, though? Were there? Oh, were there? No, there weren't. That was the oh, question. Okay. That was the trick. I don't know. There, like, there might have been. Village. I don't know. Didn't Did notice. he not know that she was? I only learned this from Wikipedia afterwards. Did he not know that she was the daughter of the partisan leader? I don't think so. No, okay. no, she because she snuck in, and oh, okay. um, but yeah. Hey, man, look, I don't blame him. Look. You got you got a good thing going with Barbara Bach. You don't fuck that up because you're suspicious, all right? Fair enough, fair enough. But also, like, what? What? You should have been more than suspicious at that point. But sure. Also, the lead up to that, a very a very much 1970s move when she mows down the the German guard. Which, by the way, that was actually kind of a funny scene leading up to it. I was like, how far are we gonna walk with these guys when they're trying to like they're leading them on a wild goose chase to find the buried penicillin yeah but when she mows down the germans with a machine gun and then she's like go on hit me i'm not gonna go back with my hair combed that was like a very 1970s moment yeah just robert shaw punching barbara bach really hard in the face you know i thought that was great i was like she's bad for good reason you don't really (laughs) see that in movies anymore but it was very much a (laughs) 1970s touch yeah although i feel like their sensibilities maybe would have been more sensitive to the than yeah. ours like now we would be like yeah like she's bad she you gotta punch her and well she's not bad know. there's so many double crosses and back and forth with this movie like yeah not not like a bad guy but like oh she's a badass yes yes i gave up oh. swearing for lent so oh, <laughs> i'm finding wait. it difficult to make my Yikes. point <laughs> i see okay so you meant bad in like the 1970s vernacular got like, it bad she's bad got it Who's okay bad? Why couldn't you give up something easier like alcohol? Because I like a challenge. Because I'm bad. (laughs) Touche. But anyway, yeah. uh, Also, uh, a couple characters that I didn't mention that I think make... They don't have any lines. And I feel like they add a really strong touch to this movie overall. Is the two... The two guys from the partisan camp who were like triple agents with like the bandages on their their faces. I thought they made an interesting addition to this movie that adds a lot... That makes it stand out. You know what I mean? Really? It felt very Bond. Yes. Like, now that you make that connection, I totally see that. Yeah. What about it made it stand out? Um, first of all, they're memorable because it's like these two, because, you know, a lot of times, to me, they were kind of like the, um, you watch Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. Okay. The Mexican hitmen uh-huh. who were cousins mm-hmm. and they never said anything. That's who these guys kind of remind me of in retrospect in that they're like these two, like, these two badasses that are just like super deadly apparently and they're mysterious they're just they're kind of quiet and menacing and they just Mm -hmm. kind of jump into frame and they're like anyway they're not on screen for very long but there's that and then also I didn't really think about I didn't really really pick up on this until this time when I was watching it that um they are apparently there are apparently three pairs of guys who have bandages on their face in the universe of this movie the original two guys Uh were Chechniks who were mm. with the Germans and then they were killed and 
partisans took their place and infiltrated the camp, which we heard in dialogue. Uh, that was an exposition. Uh, and then they were killed by Harrison Ford, okay, uh-huh. and replaced by partisans who snuck back into the camp to rescue Carl Weathers and Miller, while the other partisans who were disguised as the bandage guys were discovered by Richard Keel. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Which illustrate which which to your point, how convoluted this movie really yeah, is. I barely got the plot. Like, I, we'll we'll touch on this in mm-hmm. a second. I barely got the plot. So to follow that, there are like eight different bandaged guys going all around. <laughs> that was way over my head. Maybe right. I'll rewatch, but mm-hmm. that is so much. Wait, who did Maritza kill then? Which ones? Oh, she didn't kill the bandage guys at all. She killed the three Germans who were escorting them out to find oh, the penicillin. They ban- oh, man. They were, just, See, they, were uniformed, they were uniformed German soldiers. Way over my head. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's that. Speaking of, like, plot that wasn't resolved in my head. So what was Force 10's mission? To blow up this bridge? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. The Americans were there to blow up the bridge. The Brits were there to kill... To kill the guy. I, they super made that sexy Franco Nero. Super clear in the beginning. Yeah, like... Never mind. No, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> he's like gay porn good looking. <laughs> there were some scenes where I was like, this very could go specific. very different. I don't Those know. eyes were, were beautiful. Okay, there was just one scene where like he and Harrison Ford kind of had a moment and I was like, whoa, <laughs> this could turn so different so fast. But anyway. This movie takes a hard left turn in the director's cut. <laughs> um, he, okay, why why this bridge? Just um, Because it's... Basically, it's a, it's a, the only route across this ravine for the Germans to get from one side or the other. Okay. Like, it's part of, like, the big plan. Uh-huh. It's, like, one of the many little operations that I feel like Special Forces gets involved with. Not gotcha. necessarily because it's going to turn the tide or anything, but because it's intended to, like, stop them where they are and slow them down to get other things done. Like, you read military histories, and the complexity of operations like that is mind-boggling in how mm-hmm. they fit into every other part of what's going on, especially in, like, a large-scale war. Okay, I can it's follow just, that. It's that. But that's basically it. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I, I was interested in talking about a little bit was um, the... I didn't really have a better way to write this out other than ultra-masculine bullshit. <laughs> like, a lot of this movie seems ripped from um, the men's magazines from, like, the 1950s and 60s. A lot of, like, shredded shirts and just, like, grimacing and five o'clock shadows. And usually mm-hmm. they're, like fighting, like, fighting Nazis or wild animals or something like that. So Harrison Ford. So Harrison Ford, exactly. Um, but... A lot of that stuff is just, like, male fantasy stuff. Like, this movie it definitely is... It, it plays more into, like, the fantasy of war than mm. anything close to reality. Yeah. Um, which, I don't mind that. I don't I mean, that doesn't bother me. Like, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Um, but still, it's a lot of that just kind of, like, tough guy bullshit. Mm. Um, like, like, what is the opposite of the Bechdel test? Because I feel like this movie would pass <laughs> it with flying colors. <laughs> More men. They're all just interacting with each other. Yeah, there's there's no romance here. I really was no, expecting yeah. them to set up um, Maritza Barbabach to, like, with Harrison Ford or something. But nope, they mope In a modern movie. Pretty quickly. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, she survives a lot longer than I feel like, you know, she could have. True. Very true. Much shorter than I expected. When she got but... killed, I wrote in my notes, Lescovar, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's a Harrison Ford yeah. war movie. Right. There's only so much you can expect. Um, I did think, so there's, like we talked about in Goodfellas, Goodfellas is on the far end of the kind of like bromance spectrum. Mm-hmm. Men, you know, mostly male interactions. And there's a lot of kind of affection there and mm-hmm. a lot of displays of affection. This still has a lot of male interactions, but way less affection. Yeah. So I guess I can follow you. It's it's a very, like, everything is very hetero in the way they they interact. You know, like, it's there's no... It's a very straight movie. Other yeah. Than... And I don't mean to say that in, like, actual, like, but just there's no male affection. It's funny because it, like... I, outside of, like, oh, I'm so excited. Like, Carl Weathers grabbing the, the explosives expert and being like, oh, you cute little son of a bitch. That's, yeah. like... 
I, I'm quoting. It's okay to oh, quote. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's probably the most affectionate. And it's kind of, it's played for laughs. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's so funny. He's like this big guy grabbing this tiny British guy uh-huh. and hugging him. And he's so excited that that's like, that's the lengths he'll go to in his like yeah. euphoria. But Yeah. Apollo yeah. Creed hugging this little pipe smoking nerd. Yeah. Um, but also uh, the relationship between Harrison Ford and Robert Shaw in particular, I found interesting because it sort of, it sort of follows the early budding um, trope of, like, the buddy cop mm-hmm. formula. Sure. Where it's, like, two guys are thrown together and they don't like each other. They don't like the way each other operates. <laughs> but, like, as they work together, it's like, but I respect you. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, Gosh, darn it, I, I know you haven't... I, ooh, I, I know you haven't seen... Um, Lethal Weapon. It's on the list. We'll watch it eventually. Mm -hmm. But it's very much like two guys who come from different worlds and they're just like, they're thrown together and they got to do the job together and like, you know what? You're all right. Um, Yeah. It's like so much just like punching and threats and like, you know, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. That kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool now let's we might as well this is probably good as places i need to drop this in but um let's get into what i wanted to hear a little bit more about what you had about like you said like the racial issues because this is one of the films that i think has the most blatant examples of what has become known as the token black guy sure because carl weathers is great in this movie i love his character in this movie he really doesn't have any particular reason to be in this story he doesn't do anything in terms of serving the plot at all right yeah i guess that's a good point i with my very loose grasp on what the plot was <laughs> i wouldn't have made that point but um i do i the fact that like there is racism and it is mm-hmm. acknowledged yeah. and even you know it's a very we do not go very deep it is not really trying to resolve anything major but in the simple one-to-one of, like, the characters who are directly racist... Ooh, if I'm thinking about this. The characters who are directly racist end up dying. Mm, the definitely. bad, The bad character who... I, I kind of expected... So there's this moment between... Um, shoot. The Czech guy who pretends to be uh, a partisan, super big... Yeah, Richard... Richard Ke- Drezek is what his character's name is. Drezek, Yes. He, he has a moment kind of at the beginning where they're all meeting each other or they're meeting the Force 10 mm-hmm. and the what they think are the partisans but are actually um, the Czechs. Is, he like has this moment where he's like, no oh. time out. Just to be very clear in case we have any Czech listeners. Uh, Chechniks. Chechniks. Yes. Oh boy. Collaborate. Just say collab. They're the collaborators. collaborators. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. No disrespect. I just don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, he has this moment where he's like, oh, Blackie. And he's mm-hmm. kind of getting way too close and treating Carl Weathers kind of as this like exotic, like, you know, creature. He's treating like a creature. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And I kind of thought that was going to be let go in a like, foreigners, like they're not as, they don't get our racial politics, but oh, well, that's just the the way it is. But no, like it turns out that he actually is a bad dude and Carl Weathers ends up Mm -hmm. killing him Mm -hmm. in the end. Like they let Carl Weathers have that moment. Which was very satisfying. Like when it happens, it's like that fight is not the best choreographed fight I've ever seen, (laughs) but it is a satisfying conclusion to that arc. And we've seen some way worse ones on this podcast. But (laughs) yes, it it is. It's satisfying and it is like well earned. And it's based on a skill that we have established that Mm -hmm. Carl Weathers has. So yeah, it's, it's definitely not perfect. But I did think it was aware of yeah. of that and, and interested in kind of addressing it. I thought it was interesting because, like, when I say that he doesn't serve any function in the plot, I don't mean to say he doesn't add anything to the movie. Far right. from it. I think he's, yeah. like, he adds a lot of flavor to this movie in the way that, like, you know, having people like Harrison Ford or Richard Keel or Barbara Bach adds mm-hmm. a lot of flavor to it as well. And he gets, it's like, his function in the actual narrative, or not the narrative, his function in the actual plot is really as significant as what's-his-face, Harrison Ford's number two, who ends up getting killed. But the difference is that, like, Carl Weathers gets a lot more lines and a lot more face time in the movie. Mm. So it's like, they're they're equally non-serving to the plot. However, Carl Weathers is a lot more entertaining and a lot more interesting to watch. Now, I love, like, the way that, you know, he was just introduced was just like, 
again, one of these things that is different than the way this movie would play today in that, like, all we know is the MPs have arrested him and they're taking him away in handcuffs. Mm -hmm. Why? Don't know. Don't care. Doesn't matter. Um, And then, of course, Harrison Ford and and friends beat up all the MPs, (laughs) obviously. Carl Weathers hops on the airplane and he's just tagging along. And then, as a tag-along... Gets pissed off when people aren't telling him what they're uh, what they're doing. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I get it, but I don't know what he was expecting. Yeah, um, he does throw a bit of a hissy fit at the end, which was like, <laughs> all right, I don't know about this. Like, I don't know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, another thing about that scene with um with Richard Keel that I, I thought was kind of interesting that I didn't really think about until right now was the. Um, that you see the partisan guy, uh, the Yugoslavian partisan guy or collaborator rather. Um, being very aggressive in terms of, like, trying to, like, wipe the black off of his skin and then, like, cut it off with a knife. Oh, it looked yeah. like he was about to. So you get that. But the Germans, on the other hand, I don't know the Germans even gave him a second look. Which yeah. is, like, it's funny because the, like, the way Germans in World War II and Nazis are characterized in fiction today, it's, like, people bend over backward to always show them being as racist and anti-semitic as possible Mm -hmm. which it's like in this movie it's like they don't even care they're just like yeah we've got four prisoners or five prisoners it's like yeah we don't we don't care we don't care we got more important things to worry about we see them all equally okay it's just a (laughs) stereotype yeah exactly it was like kind of funny it was like it was almost like this like um like the germans are these uh in in this movie specifically Mm. like the germans are like these enlightened western europeans whereas like you've got these like backward ass eastern europeans who are Mm -hmm. like super racist I thought that was a very unusual way even for that time a very unusual way of portraying the Germans yeah. in the war well it's not like he was exceptional like he wasn't I don't even remember were there scenes with Carl Weathers and the no. German guy really no. I, I feel like it was just the movie didn't have time for it like not that it just wasn't interested in it one way or another we get that they're Germans we get that the bad yeah. guys we don't need an extra like oh remember how racist totally. they are Nazis are just kind of shorthand for bad guys, right. so yeah, you get it, it. it's like you get it. But like, if this movie was made today, I feel like in a in a, a lot of directors' hands, there would be one scene at least of like a German going out of his way to make life miserable for Carl Weathers. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. The fact that that didn't exist was kind of conspicuous in its absence. I thought oh, okay. on this in this viewing, but anyway, um, which you know, let's be. Uh, we don't, we, that's the thing. It's like, we all know, we all know they're bad. We all know they're bad guys. We don't need to, like, see them being manipulative and evil and, and gross. Like, we get it. Yeah, we ju- we understand. From the get-go, we get it. These are the bad guys. Let's just kill these assholes. Let's but get the, it over uh, with. Yeah. the Chechniks, you know, we might know less about them. So yeah. we got to establish Especially they when they, we think they're partisans and we think that they're ostensibly good guys. Yeah. It adds a little bit of complexity. But nope, complexity out the window because they're actually bad guys. They're bad guys. You don't have to feel <laughs> weird about it. They're just racist bad guys. Sure. Now let's talk about like the ending sequence here which I thought was yeah. kind of... I thought like the best single part of the movie was like the actual mission to explode the dam. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the... They, they raid the supply dump, steal the landmines, which... How does those? How does that explosive foam work? Sometimes it needs a detonator. Sometimes you just throw it on the road and a truck rolls over and kaboom. Yep. Not There's sure. A lot of a lot of like, oh, they're gonna miss the mm-hmm. explosive. Just kidding. Like, yeah. We did it. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, before I get too far into the damn explosion scene, another logic thing that I noticed: like, this movie is one of the worst offenders of selective German that I've ever seen in my life. Like selective between they're actually speaking German and Franco Nero just talking to a German guy in English and the German responding in German. That's what, okay, was he's, were we, we were, were supposed we to understanding believe- <laughs> German or yes. was he just speaking English to the German? And the things he's saying to the German soldier are like, hey, I'm double crossing these people. Yes. Like you can go tell them and you'll, you'll have them in the bag and, and like, you know, yep. go tell your officers, whatever. And he's like double crossing our, our good guys. Right but he's kind enough to do it in their own language. So yes. if someone were to overhear him, with that, they would have understood. With that velvety smooth Italian accent. Okay. I get it. We've <laughs> seen this movie a lot of times for various reasons. Anyway. But. So, yeah, I, I like the, the selective German was kind of hilarious to me this time. I was like, now they're speaking English to pretend to be German. Now they're speaking English to speak English. Yeah. Now they're just speaking German. And then there were some times where the Chechniks were speaking to each other 
and like there was no subtitles. I was like, all right, we're just gonna. I guess they're just plotting. Like we're yeah. I I watched the movie with the closed captioning on, and anytime the German spoke, it said in brackets German. Anytime the the uh, uh, the partisans spoke, it said brackets Russian. But anytime the Chechniks talked to each other, it said brackets Slavic language. So question mark? Yeah. So it's like whoever was doing the sub writing the subtitles for this movie couldn't be bothered to Google language Yugoslavia. Like it would have been you know thirty seconds max. Anyway, but yes, moving right along to that bridge explosion operation. Yes. Um, I thought that was a pretty well executed like procedural scene between mm. like the observation where Miller and Weaver are up on like the hill watching it all go down and patiently waiting for something to happen and Harrison Ford and Robert Shaw shockingly uh unbothered by any Germans patrolling the dam. Yeah, I was kind of like where what? Like they're just cuz were they just in a random part of the dam? This wasn't like oh this is the command center or anything like that. Not it's just yet, like right. a a part of the dam. You have seen one or two of these movies. You get you, you get the you <laughs> I get the trope. Get it. And there's there's a lot of DNA in other movies now. So, you know, plant the bomb in just the right place to blow up the command center and destroy the dam. Yes. Yep. Um yeah, like the the whole thing where like they're they're setting the explosives and it takes forever. Like it mm-hmm. seems like they're there for hours. Long which... enough for Harrison Ford and Robert Shaw to see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And um, they decide to set the timer for 20 seconds because the Germans are going to be punctual and they're already late. And so they're like, well, we better get set it for 20 seconds and they don't have to run so far. So they've accept- they resign themselves to the fact that they are going to blow up with the dam. Oof, yes. Then what happens? The explosion is not big enough for it to kill them. Is that what was going <laughs> down? The explosion was not big enough, first of all... To blow up the dam, even, for sure. Even in 1978, I feel like audiences were expecting a massive explosion. Right. Right? And that is that is what I appreciated, was like... Because it's a small explosion, and you're like, oh, it didn't work. And all the characters are like, oh, it didn't work, except for the explosives expert. But, um, yeah, so we've got uh, Robert Shaw and Harrison Ford, like, blow out of the way, kind of in that classic, like, scene of explosion... That- Fly past camera. The cloud of dust rolling across the ceiling was a really oh, cool shot. That was great. That was great. I wanted to see a behind the scenes of just like how much of this was models, how much of this, like how did they mm-hmm. make all this? Because there's a lot of yeah, those kind of big dams collapsing and bridges mm-hmm. rocking back and forth. But anyway, um, so yeah, explosion, dust, and then Robert Shaw and uh, Harrison Ford just get up. They don't even. I don't even think. Uh, Carl Weathers and I keep calling him the explosive expert because I cannot. His remember character his name. name is Miller. Miller are outside, Million. and I don't think they see anything. They don't right? see anything. I think they like heard something. Okay. Like I think because Carl Weathers reacts, but he's like hey. nothing <laughs> happened. Like his his face is priceless because he was like he's like smiling really big because he's like expecting it to like blow up any second, and then it's like not nothing, nothing, nothing. nothing. Um, but then Harrison Ford and Robert Shark get up, and Harrison Ford's like. It didn't kill us or whatever. And he's like, what? Yeah, it didn't that... work. What? I, I know, know it didn't, didn't work. work. That was great. Like those two guys. Yeah. I could have watched. So I could have watched a two hour movie of literally just Harrison Ford and Robert Shaw yelling yeah, at each other. Yeah. It didn't. What? It didn't work. I know it didn't work. Let's get out of here. But, that, but which is great because like a lot of times, you know, you got explosions in movies and like explosions, gunshots, whatever, and everybody can still hear fine. Yeah. And this is, like, one of the few movies I can think of where it's, like, people are right next to an explosion and they are literally deafened. Yeah. And they're having to scream at each other to be heard. And it's a classic joke. Cliche, if you will. But, like, come on. The whole, like, what? (laughs) What? I know! Like, that's good. That's always funny. So the explosion goes off. The bridge does not explode. As Miller says, well, what were you expecting? A volcano? A, vol- a massive volcano or something like that? Please. He's Which, on a timeline and a budget. Yeah, exactly. Which, let's be honest, everyone watching this movie was expecting a massive volcano. So yeah. Miller is just like, he. they knew exactly what they were doing, which I, I love. Um, but yeah, so they, they, they bolt out past Germans and Robert Shaw, for some reason, yells in English, I'd get out of here if I were you, to the <laughs> Germans, which... We'll figure it out. Yeah. We've established at this point that they either speak German or German and English yes. are interchangeable right, in of course. this universe. Yeah. So. Um, so they book it out of there and the dam very, very slowly begins to crack 
water starts to spill through, and then whoosh, yep. get the water spilling through the valley again at a pretty leisurely pace. This this whole thing yeah. plays out very very slowly. Water rushes down, hits the bridge, and for like five minutes, the bridge buckles and then finally collapses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty impressive effects, I thought, for the time. I mean, I guarantee that all that was done with like scale models. I mean, of course, I mean, with no CGI at the time, they're certainly not going to blow up an actual dam and bridge. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Obviously. Um, this was low budget. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was it worked out pretty nicely. And actually seeing the bridge collapse in slow motion kind of felt almost more satisfying than if mm-hmm. it just went, done. It was cool. And like, we had a lot of shots, like they kind of cut back to two or three angles of the bridge. So you saw like the trussing shaking. Yeah. And then you see the top of the bridge. And like, it was, it was cool. It was a cool, like engineering. Yeah. Like, nerd out it's it's like have you ever seen the footage of the narrows bridge in washington that's like flopping in the wind yeah that's what it reminded Ooh, me of yeah yeah yeah. um and that was cool i thought it was a really effective twist on because mm-hmm. i don't i mean i assume even at this time that the classic impressive. explosion was yeah. a was a, a trope yeah. a tired cliche seeing those tanks fall off of the bridge oh, that yeah. was pretty cool Ooh, i like although that. it like ugh, there's something like visceral about seeing that that you're just like oh my god oh my god oh my yeah. god like the fear of being on that bridge is they're germans they're nazis real. it it's doesn't fine. matter they Ooh. earned it um but uh anyway yeah so that it was it was pretty great and then of course like the ending is like one of my favorite endings to a movie like this it was fantastic where they, they all rejoin and they're like celebrating and robert shaw has a great short speech where he's like before we start giving ourselves victoria crosses and yeah. congressional medals of honor and all that deflates and, that balloon yeah real he like fast. Po- yeah real fast and he's like we gotta start walking we are on the wrong side of the bridge we just blew up mm-hmm. so the germans will be here any moment and not we are, so happy and we're out of stuff we're out yep. of it. we're out of everything so uh let's get moving guys yeah um and then it just ends and that's like, it well, credits yeah we trust our heroes got out of there alive whatever <laughs> which <laughs> i thought again i mentioned this to mike when we were watching it uh the other night that um uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I thought it would have been funny if it was like they're setting the explosives, they set the timer, they're like, good show, did a good job, shake hands, boom, damn doesn't explode, credits. Oh, man. <laughs> that would have been insane. Ugh, I would have felt very differently about this Definitely. movie if that's what would happened. <laughs> um, but at any rate. Um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of the long and short of it. Um, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it uh, immensely as a return viewer, and you know it's like it's definitely like I say, not a realistic war movie mm. at all. But it's fun. It's definitely like a throwback in a lot of ways. It's just it's it's an enjoyable like romp, almost mm-hmm. like one of those boys' own adventure type movies. <laughs> it's like you know it's something that is you know you can show you can show it to a twelve year old. You know, and not worry about them getting. I mean, maybe the TV version. I don't. Know. I mean, yeah. How how disturbed are they by decapitation and blood? By the way, you keep bringing up that decapitation for for it context. Was viewers, very have, shocking. Viewers that haven't seen. I thought it was hilarious because it was so obviously a mannequin oh, that had it been is, propped up. The production quality is poor. It it's is bad. not great. You see, they they pull a wire across the road, and it like takes yeah. the head off there's this a, Nazi there's, there's a German, in a tank. There's a German half-track rolling down the road, and of course you've got a guy like freaking Erwin Rommel sitting out of the top of the, the, the cab, and just like the wire is at exactly the right point that when they go past, zoop, and knocks it like... It doesn't even just like, rolls it doesn't head off. cut like, as much as it just like knocks the head <laughs> off of a very obvious mannequin. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, it's awful. But it is obviously a mannequin, and the blood is like just bright Blech. red, just like. <laughs> and so you know, it's it wasn't horrifying. It wasn't like the gore that I get nervous about yeah, in yeah, movies. Yeah. It was very shocking though, because <laughs> up till this moment. We have seen... Nobody's been dismembered. Like, the Nothing. goriest part up to this moment was, like, on the airplane before they bailed out where, like, all the guys got shot up and stuff like that. But you didn't see that happening. It was just yeah. like... It's like, machine guns, and then cut to, fly, interior, like, cut to interior, and they're all just dead, laying yep. there with, like, a little bit of, like, what little they had in the one jug of, of fake blood that they had. Yeah, they're like, use it sparingly. We don't have any more. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that... I, no, it wasn't... It wasn't disturbing i don't right. know maybe a small child but yeah like i said like 12 is probably old enough to watch yeah. this movie you know 
Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a fun movie. I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up here? Um, I think we covered all my thoughts. I, as far as recommendation, I would recommend it if it's something you think you'd be into. I enjoyed oh, it. Oh, for sure. But it is, it is a little convoluted, which yes. could be frustrating. I think if I was watching this for no reason, like if someone was just like, oh, let's watch this movie, I think I would have been frustrated by like, how much work it took to understand it but overall it was like it was good it was enjoyable it's fun just for the cast like those moments like i said in between with them just kind of interacting with each other are worth the whole movie so i i would recommend it i totally agree with you about the cast if for no other reason like this cat like if you know movies from the 70s or you just want to watch a harrison ford movie which one thing i didn't bring up from early on um when i said reviews were not kind to this movie i also, forgot I forgot to mention that that includes reviews from Harrison Ford. <gasps> no, it's one of those. He okay when I I don't remember where I saw this. Otherwise, I pull up the clip and like actually have you listen to it. But there's a part where like he talks about like his life right after Star Wars. Uh-huh. He said, "Yeah, I got picked up to make this movie called Force Ten from Navarone and Hugo Slot." This is an interview from fairly recently, like probably in the last ten years or so. Wow. And he says, "I got picked up to do this movie in Yugoslavia, uh, and it should have stayed in Yugoslavia." Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he Harrison Ford is notoriously salty about some of the movies that he's been in, including Star Wars. Um, but, yeah. Champagne I, problems, buddy. Yeah, well, he, uh, he if, if it was up to him, and I don't blame him on this, he would only do Indiana Jones movies, period. We all would only do Indiana yeah, Jones movies. Yeah, we know, movies. Harrison. Okay. We know. Some uh, of us have to work day jobs. We want that, me. too. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he's not a huge fan of this movie, but... Yeah, um, it's not the best in terms of quality or whatever. It does a lot wrong, probably, but nothing major. I guess because it was kind of a fast and cheap production. Like, sure. One thing that I picked up this time when I saw the credits was that this is a Samuel Arkoff movie, which mm. that name may not ring a bell to you, but nope. he is one of the uh, producers who made a zillion and one like B movies okay. from like the fifties through like the eighties. So he, his name, for people who are, like, familiar with, like, that period of film history, is synonymous with, like, cheapies. Like, let's crank this out as fast and cheap as we can, and throw it out there, and we'll break even, make a little profit, and make another movie. And he got his hands on Harrison Ford, and Carl Weathers, and, you know, Robert yeah. John, all that? Okay. All that, yeah. Yeah, he got real lucky with this particular movie, but uh, obviously, like, you never heard of it before yeah. I recommended it, right? A lot of people have never heard no, of this yeah. movie. Um, so it just kind of coasted under the radar. It's just like one of those hidden gems with a superstar in it, which I, I thought this was a good, as a Harrison Ford movie, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I do I think that, it. and even with its problems, I, I do think that even if you don't love this movie, I feel like there is value in watching subpar movies, even if it's only to think about how much, how they could have been better mm. and, you know, what makes better movies better. Like after this, I went back and rewatched. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which I was As like... As a palate cleanser, you were like, oh. No, 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 not the palate Like, I loved it. I was like, it was just a mental double feature. Yep. And I was like, I still love Forrest 10, but watching uh, an Indiana Jones movie, I was like, yeah, this is like, this is what movies look like when they're handled by a really good director. Like, Guy Hamilton, okay director. Spielberg, great director. And so, like, seeing the same actor playing similar characters, it's like... Night and day, mm-hmm. but I still think that Force 10 is worth watching. I think it's a lot of fun. And as we've mentioned ad nauseum, seeing this cast together is such a treat. Yeah, yeah. If this is what you're looking for, and I feel like we've made it pretty clear through this, like what it is. <laughs> yes. If you were looking for it, it's I, I recommend it for sure. I'm glad. I also recommend it. Two ninety nine on Amazon. It's uh it's a it you, you can't lose. I mean it's fun. Yeah. Um and it's and I would also say a movie that like if you don't care what the plot is, you don't have to pay super close attention to it. Yeah, just don't. Yeah, it's fine. Um so, uh excellent. Without further ado, Kari, what do we have to look forward to next week? Oh boy. So next week I am serving you a romance. Oh. And you get to choose. Sweet. Oh. Do you want it to be set in the 1800s, Ooh. the 1900s, or the 2000s? I thought you were going to say the future for a or while. Or the future. <laughs> nope, the very recent best. 1800s. Okay, I'm going to 
cheat a tiny little bit. Mm. Can you tell me what decade each of these movies was made oh in? Oh my gosh. Can you? Oh, made in? Yes. Okay. Uh, the one in 2000s was made in the 2000s. The knots. Yeah. The 2010s. Yep. Um, the, let's see. I think uh, the, uh, the, the one in the 1800s was also made in the knots. Okay. And the one in the 1900s was made. Oh. Also in the knots. Oh, 2000. How about that? <laughs> All three in the knots. How about that? Yeah. Um, let's let's go with 1800s. I'm feeling Ooh, period piece here. Interesting. Okay. Two far from star-crossed lovers learn the errors of making hasty judgments and come to appreciate the difference between superficial and essential. It's a comedy of manners, education, marriage, and money during the Brit- British Regency period. I have a strong inkling of what this movie is. I thought but you go might. K, have you seen? Kira Knightley's Pride and Prejudice. I have not. I know you haven't. We're gonna watch it right. for next week. Great. Have you? Are you a Jane Austen fan at all? Um, English I major? Are you? A Jane yeah. Fan? No, I'm not. Um, like you haven't read her, or you are not a fan. Uh, I'm to, I might still have my Cliff's notes from this from freshman year of high oh, school, but okay. uh, do they make Cliff's notes for movies? I think they do. Uh-huh, no. You're not getting out of it that easy. I just wanted to like, get back to my roots of just not reading the Jane Austen and using the Cliff's Notes instead. Not on this podcast, buddy. We go all or nothing. Coach McCauley, eat your heart out because <laughs> Kari is actually going to make me uh, digest actual Jane Austen. Yep. Great. We're going to turn the tides on this uh, this English major's hate for English literature, apparently. <sighs> Um, I don't like Shakespeare and I don't like Jane Austen. I don't feel like that makes me a bad English major. Mm, Whatever. We shall see. But yeah, so that's our movie for next week. We shall see what you think. Uh, And anything else from you? I think that is going to do it. Of course, thank you uh, again for joining us. If you like what you hear on our podcast here, you can get even more from us by following us on Instagram at khaveyouseen with underscores between all the words. Also, we are on Facebook. Um, you can follow our page there and please, again, if you like, uh, what you're hearing in our episodes, we would love it if you would rate and review our podcast to let everybody else know how great we are. So, uh, with that, thank you again so much for joining us. My name is Kyle. I'm Kari. And we'll see you next week. See ya.